0: beep, 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 be
1: What were we thinking? We're going up against Negrano in pulp tonight. Heads up
0: challenge. How are we supposed to pull viewers away from that, Brian? I just saw that from Dave Clark in the YouTube chat. Uh, I didn't I knew they were playing today. I what are you gonna do? I guess.
1: Yeah, that was also another one, you know, before all the election stuff that everyone was getting all of their action down uh on that heads-up challenge. I think most I saw most of the sharps were getting. Polk booking him four to one and then it had moved to like five to one and people were still, still grabbing that. I mean, you, you used to play a ton of poker, 25,000 hands. Y- is that a big enough sample size for the best player to, to normally win?
0: I think so. Yeah, probably heads up. That could go pretty quick, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I would get like 50,000 hands a month in. I can't even remember. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, Certainly Did, a bigger they th- live too. Is that what I read today? So I think they brokered some kind of
1: arrangement where they're doing X amount of hands the first set live, just to kind of kick off the challenge. And PokerGo is streaming it, and then I believe it's then going back to to online predominantly for the rest of it.
0: Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, whatever.
1: I think that. Yeah. I mean, how how many hours of live play? It would be insane. Yeah. yeah, fantasy sharpie Pete looks like he's been sitting at his computer all day. I have. I am. Leg- I, I can't. I can't uh, hide. I just got to put my cards on the table here. I'm exhausted. Uh, but we have a good show tonight. We're going to talk about some of the uh, election betting market fallout from last night. We had some crazy movements. Lots of action going around. Lots of people last night on Twitter. Brian felt like that. Uh, you know the Nick Young gif where he chucks the three and turns around <laughs> and starts like that. Every tweet seemed like that <laughs> last night.
0: Yeah, it did. It did. That, yeah, that, that's exactly what that election uh, result basically was like too. Cause I went to bed. I didn't stay up like you. I'm like, whatever, I'm going to bed. And I think Trump was like minus 300 or something. Whoa, went. you went to bed early. If you went to bed at minus 300 Trump. Yeah. Yeah. What, what time would that have been? It maybe it was a little lower than that.
1: but Okay. I mean, that had to have been around, what, like 11? Yeah, or? something like that. Yeah.
0: 11, 12. Maybe he was dropping at the end there. But, like, it was right where he tapered off there for a couple hours. Did uh, you, but did when you, did he, I thought it didn't change till this morning at, like, four in the morning or something.
1: I guess I'm having a hard time. I mean, it, you know, seesawed all
0: yeah.
2: the way
1: because he was up to, like, wasn't Trump up to, like, minus five or minus 600 at one point there? 9 yeah. 30 or 10.
0: Yeah, and it really depended on where you were looking too. Yeah. So the the, the thing I want answered and hopefully some of these sports betting guys can can uh, get can get a bookmaker on their podcast and explain how they do it is how how they decided uh, how how their li- live line movements worked during the election. And you know, maybe the whole thing from pre-election up to the live line movements. But I, it'd be interesting to see because for for people who don't know, like a regular sports betting market, the common um, thought is that money moves the market. So if a bunch of money goes on one team, they move the line right. towards that team. and that's not how it works. They profile betters and they profile sharp professional sports betters and then move the lines based on what they do. So they'll be lopsided on lines, super heavy. Just so they don't get hit by sharp betters, and then there's a market leader who then sets the line, and then they copy it, and then like the retail books like Bovada just copy whenever they move, they they follow suit. But for the for the uh, political markets, there isn't like who's who are they going to profile? Because like even the the pros like uh, Rufus Peabody on his podcast, he says he just uses Nate Silver. For the most, yeah. so like if everyone's copying Nate Silver, um, you know may- maybe they have some guys that they can profile. I don't know. Like so, it'd be really interesting to see how how they set those live lines and move around like they did because they were all over the place. I mean, I guess they weren't all over the place. They were just directionally changing dramatically, and then um, uh, you know. It, it, I don't, I I guess, I would think they're just guessing. They're just, they got some guys there and money's coming in and like, well, well, let's move it. Yeah. Well,
1: I heard you, I saw you on Twitter, you had made kind of an analogy to ownership uh, in DFS. And I thought that was interesting too, because don't we see with ownership a lot of times that there's almost this self-fulfilling prophecy element to it, where someone says, this guy's going to be this percentage owned. And then everyone kind of takes that as gospel. And it's like, oh, this. And so you can see steam on ownership happen just like once it's being discussed. Like, do you think that could have happened with this market where a little bit of line movement and because gamblers and DFS players and poker players or whatever are used to reacting to that movement, that they might've been overweighting that movement relative to the actual information that was powering it?
0: Yeah, that's that's what I think happened too is when Florida came in, I think there was a lot of skepticism that the polls were right, and it turns out, in my opinion, and we could go over that, that they were they were they were pretty wrong. They were wrong like directionally across every state, in one way. Um, and these markets are correlated, so maybe that is kind of a function of this. But I thought, especially Nate Silver, he didn't that wasn't that good, even though Trump's going to lose here. He just overall, I think it was a pretty poor showing. And I think if Trump would have won, I think Nate Silver might be out of a job, honestly, or something would have happened to him. Um, what's
1: your What's your thought on that? Because, uh, you know, I, I've seen every, you know, someone in the chat, Nate Silver's getting roasted last night. He was taking it. Like it, his information is only as good as the polls, right? Like, and he's just trying to use that information to draw correlations, to extrapolate. So if the polls are inherently really unreliable. Why is he getting slammed so hard?
0: Um Yeah, that that's, I think because there's a misconception that he's like a modeler. Right. So like, he's not a pollster. He's not a modeling pollster. Like he's not like, like some of the ones that we used in Illinois Adelstein list and stuff like that. When I used to be there, like these guys are doing their own databases and modeling and figuring out what questions to ask. And there's a whole huge process to it. And, He's he's like RBX eighty eight, you know maybe like he's a step above that, but he's really just taking Osimo's polls and whatever's you know and Fantasy Labs polls, et cetera, et cetera. A better
1: analogy for that, Brian, <laughs> and
0: then kind of aggregating them, right? But that's where his modeling comes in is like is is trying to read all those different polls. So that is a model, but it's not like you're only good with the, the, the data you're getting. You know, I guess any modeler is, but this is kind of weird because he's depending on someone else's modeling abilities. And so it, lo- it looks like clearly that the, the modelers in the last – I don't know. People, a lot of people keep saying that like 2018 he was good too, but he wasn't even that good in 2018 in the midterms. He missed a lot of local, um, local states, again, in one direction. Um, so I don't – I mean – I mean, I like Nate Silver. I, I I read his book when it came out. You know, he's right up our alley for everybody. He used to be play poker, uh, Pocota stats, baseball stats, nerd, you know, all those sorts of things. But he didn't like,
1: hear that it's Nerd Bash 2020, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's just another victim caught in the wake.
0: He got saved, though. He got saved here in the morning. Uh, otherwise, it would have been real bad for him so
1: jordan jordan in the chat had this one do you think that they move uh he's t- back talking about the betting markets do you think that they just move based on action but they overprice it quickly so they don't get caught with their pants down on a big sharper bet
0: yeah i don't i don't know like that, that's what i want jordan answered um hopefully you know like um Spanky and be better better podcast he, he gets these guys on his podcast so hopefully he can get one of them on and see if they'll answer what they do what they did for this and if we can figure it out or you know listen to that podcast when a whole bunch of other people don't you could make you could probably make a ton of money on some of these upcoming elections it's probably not going to be like this again but it, should, it hey it might it might again who knows um but that's exactly what i think they do i think they're just fucking guessing yeah. i think they're 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 like oh shit trump had a big move in florida we just got We just got five hundred thousand on Trump. Uh, Bump, change it, change it, and then and then they see that change, and then there's correlated to Georgia. So then people start hitting Georgia. Like now we're getting hit in Georgia. Let's just change it, change it, right? So what they probably made out though.
1: How did you? So when you saw that, and I I don't know if you were. Doing any of the live betting on that, but I know you like for your process in general and over the years, like you rely a lot on these books and sharp line movement to kind of dictate and inform your own modeling and projections. When you saw that swing so quickly and so fast in Trump's favor, and you saw a ton of sharp people who were trying to get action down on that because they thought it was a plus EV spot or whatever, what what was your thought? Cause I feel like you're kind of reconciling those two things of like, is this bullshit or like, do we trust in an, an efficient market hypothesis kind of thing?
0: Well, I thought, I thought the polls were wrong. I did yeah. not think he was a 90% favorite. So I was going in there, but honestly I didn't have the balls cause it seemed like a whole bunch of sharp people were just sticking with Biden pre-election. And so I, I didn't, I didn't bet him pre. Um, but I, I, in my head, I just went over what I said earlier. Is like they don't can't profile any election betters. I don't think so. Like these can't be efficient, and they're getting a ton of money on them. And there are there are spots like in the NCAA tournament and the Super Bowl where they don't do the profiling as much because there's just so much money. They're just trying to get their margins right. Um, and they got a ton of money on this election. So uh, as soon as um, as soon as Florida started to change, I bet Florida Georgia. North Carolina, Arizona, and Texas. is this
1: one of your two dollars and twenty three cent bets because you got limited.
0: No, this is on Bovada because books <laughs> yeah, okay. don't have it. Don't have election uh, betting. At least that, none that I saw. Right. Otherwise, I, I would have. <laughs> they haven't. They haven't. They haven't limited me on uh, the on Bovada too, which is hilarious because they're known for limiting people. That would
1: like, be a new fun angle for Trump to call fraud if he was saying the big sports betters. Uh, you know. Uh, through the election to uh, to win their bets on a re- regulated American sportsbooks.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess it's a good thing they didn't they didn't have any uh, lines up. Um. So so I got in there on those states right as soon as they started moving because my my thought was uh, these polls were, were bullshit. I knew that. I knew, I knew they were bullshit. I should have bet. So uh, I lost Arizona. Um, North Carolina looks like he's gonna win, uh, but all the other ones I won um with pretty good i got it i got i got it in pretty good yeah for before it started going you know pretty hard um yeah again jp i i think they're i could be i'm totally i could be totally wrong here i think they were legitimately guessing they were just three or four guys in the bookmaker or pinnacle or bovada and they weren't like they were probably looking at each other's lines a little bit here and there but they were just, i think they were just guessing based on the money coming in and their, the live tv or whatever feeds they had um i mean especially like with the results today how could you I, don't know, I i don't know i i think they were they were guessing and i don't think they had any any way to profile it
1: what's so fun. What was so crazy about that is I feel like we see the phenomenon on Twitter with lots of things, right? Like the knee jerk reactions, the overreactions. And a lot of times, you know, or you see people like overreacting to a piece of news as it might relate to an NFL line. And then you go look at a really efficient NFL spread line and like, okay, the spread hasn't even moved at all. You know, and everyone's freaking out about weather or an injury or whatever. And it's like, no, this doesn't even have an effect. But this was that weird thing where the like freak out on Twitter was matching the absurd swing in the betting markets. And it was like, there was nothing to anchor us in reality other than people understanding how these ballots were always going to be counted.
0: Well, it, it, I think it was the difference between the polls and, and of uh, the swing States. Ohio was another one. I don't think I bet Ohio. I guess I should have. Oh, Ohio, Ohio. Um, all the states I mentioned: Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, uh, Georgia, in Texas. He was favored in, but only by like a point. Um, in Arizona, he was like a dog. He ended up he ended up losing that. So, like, once you start seeing all those all those states are wrong, you know how correlated are they to the Rust Belt? And he just he just didn't have it but i mean it's damn close uh wisconsin's 20,000 votes different right now um Mich- this is the last i checked i don't know what they are now but uh but they had like 99% reporting 20,000 different michigan was 100,000 difference and i think he's still up in pennsylvania uh, but don't quote me on that i haven't i haven't really looked so like that's it's such a dramatic difference difference it's kind of like how i told you i want to bet mma sometimes like if we're, we're watching and just have all the lives the live lines up and it's because you it seems like you can tell in the first 10 seconds who's going to win that fight yeah. and then hammer that live line after the 10 seconds yeah. you know what i mean and like it, it felt like that kind of situation um but even even if you, if you add more into it that there's there's no sharp players to profile and the best pollster quote-unquote was is looking like he's gonna be wrong again. You know what I mean? You add all that in, and I can understand why people are just shoving money in there and the, the the odds makers reacted. So is there like so from if you
1: I don't I don't know enough about how polling data works and like what like for you when you're trying to solve or work on your you know DFS projections, like you're looking at what kind of stuff correlates, what or what has a strong R, you know, as something that can point to a, a correlation there. Like how have, why are the polls so broken? Why is that process so broken? Why haven't we triangulated a few set of data points that have a pretty strong signal?
0: I, I've I have no idea, but like, I mean, I have guesses, but obviously I, I don't know. I think like since social media started, it's, they become pretty, pretty useless or, and that certainly not. So I, I've talked to some, Politicians here in Illinois occasionally, and I asked them that same question. And, and really, part of the answer is they have nothing else. What else are they going to do to decide where to put their money into which district that needs help and needs advertising and stuff like that? There's not. A, they don't really have a lot of a lot of options. Uh, a betting market, a legal betting market, would actually give them a ton of feedback. Right, because
1: it would be the most immediate.
0: Haptic yeah, feedback. from the start. Uh, it would be a lot more predictive, especially if it got bigger and bigger, and the sports books can profile the smarter, the smarter betters. Yeah, um, and uh, you know the the this uh, not to get political here, but then a lot of the pollsters I was listening to said there's like this big shy Trump voter. Um, uh, uh, Is this the extension talent? of
1: the the silent majority thing?
0: Um, no, shy Trump voters more like. Um, they're, they don't want to say they're voting for Trump because like they're uh, either A, embarrassed or B, like they don't want to get in a fight or um, like they don't want their name on a list or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like they, they wouldn't go into work if they worked for a corporation and said, hey, I'm a big Trump fan for fear of retribution or something like that. And um, so that the polls can't capture that. And um, I mean – I. One way or another, they're wrong. Here's another thing I wanted to kind of point out with my tweet about this, po- about polling and modeling. Like it's not the same exact thing as modeling like a sporting event. Right. Where, you know, like a football game, these big guys are crunching <laughs> into each other. A football could hit the ground and it's oblong and can bounce up a whole bunch of different ways. There's wind and, you know, injuries. A guy, the Pat Mahomes could get hurt. Like, whatever was going to happen on that election day was going to happen, right? Of course, somebody could get sick. Like, if you replayed the universe over and over again in a football game, the the Chiefs are favored. You know, let's say the money line is 67%. They're probably going to win around 67% in this universe coming over and over again, right? Pat Mahomes will get hurt one in 100 of those simulations. But in an election, that's not what's going to happen let's just say Trump loses here. Trump was going to lose every single time. You know, there might, you know, there could be, maybe you could give me some like, like some huge earthquake or something. I was just going
1: to say a, a dose ex machina event yeah. during the election. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I feel like if you're in, in my analogy of DFS ownership too, is I think spot on. Like that's what you're, you're, you're guessing what uh, people are going to like. And if you're way off, and so, like, my example of, if you just pick two players, like, in in MMA, right? MMA is a good example. So, like, if you have two fighters, they're fighting against each other, right? And you have one projected at 50% ownership and one projected at 5% ownership, right? And it turns out that they're 20, 27, 27. Like, your ownership's wrong. That's not variance. You're doing it wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so, like... That's that was proportional to eight to ninety ten, which is what Nate Silver had, um, and that that and, and so like the argument of, oh well, there's a disparate of uh, variation of outcomes in sporting events. You just don't understand probabilities. It's like that doesn't apply here. I don't think. I think because you if you replayed this simulation over and over and over again, ninety nine out of hundred times is what happened is going to happen. People aren't like, you know, a ball an oblong ball bouncing on the ground on their way to the voting booth, right? Like there it's, there's, there's a lot, there's, the golf ball's not going to get caught by a gust of wind. Yeah. I mean, Although isn't the,
1: what you're describing is actually what the Trump administration is now claiming with the fraud. They're claiming this one out of a hundred event with votes getting dumped in places or whatever they're claiming. Like that's what they're claiming is that <laughs> that this one out of a hundred event just happened to them on this election. I
0: don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't know what they're claiming. All I saw was uh, that he's ordered a recount in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's from what I saw is it's uh, electioneering more than fraud, and like I think those are two different things. Like fraud is like, you know writing down a few names where electioneering is like the whole, the whole system of some small uh, area of a state is, is like actually conspiring (laughs) against, you know, the other party. Yeah.
1: And Jordan had said in the chat earlier, polling only has uh, around a 5% response rate now. So you have to figure it's tough to get a representative sample it would almost, again, maybe I'm forcing it, but like with your DFS analogy, it would be if you were trying to pull, you know, or to figure out ownership of who are you going to play this week, you know, and you only pulled, let's just say, uh, ETR subscribers or whatever. And it's like, okay, well that, that might be a pretty uh, non-representative sample of the entire group of how they are going to, who they're going to roster in their contest. So, I mean, is it just a, could just be a huge sample size, issue with the polling?
0: Yeah, for, for sure. And there's like a problem with, uh, women answer polls more frequently than men. Um, uh, it's tougher, to, I think, to get rural people to answer the phone. Uh, they've added in texting and, in and, and some other new things and they, and they combine it with some of the online polling to get a little more information. And, um, but well, I think it's I think it's just it's it's just garbage now. I think it's it's not predictive. It's not predictive enough, especially because it's really expensive. So like for local elections, uh, polling is one of your biggest costs. And I've been telling these people for years is like if it's not predictive, just save your money elsewhere. Spend it on yard signs. I don't know. So if the
1: thesis is, and obviously we have the benefit of hindsight now, but if the thesis is the polls are shitty, the betting markets were inefficient and perhaps, you know, moving based on things that shouldn't have moved them, where is the edge in betting into a market like that, that isn't peer to peer?
0: Well, the, the, the betting markets were sharper than the polls. Mm-hmm. They just moved dramatically on election day. That's two different things. So like if Nate Silver had to take action and like live bet, like who knows what the polls would look like, uh, you know, obviously he would have gotten crushed if he had to take bets, if he had to take bets on all of his states. And if you, if you compare his final tally of each state to the 99% turned in states, he was directionally wrong on like every single state by at least one or two points. And so like, if you're wrong, I know these are correlated events here, but not all the States are totally correlated. You should, like my ownership that I put up tonight today for PGA tomorrow, I'm going to be wrong on, on, you know, everyone's probably going to be off a point or two, but like I'll be under on some and over on some and under on some and over on some, you know what I mean? That's you're, 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 you're not directionally wrong on everything. All right. Um. Yeah. So like, even though in the event he won, he won, um, it's just uh, I don't, I, I don't know what they're gonna do anymore. I, I, <clears throat> there's a, still a lot of people though arguing that he did a good job. So,
1: Nick Barnes says, "Have you guys ever been pulled? Myself nor anyone I know has. I haven't been pulled. Hell, I haven't even gotten summoned for jury duty in my really? life. No."
0: Well, you just jinxed yourselves. So. I, I
1: yes, yeah, seriously. Have I've you had, been
0: pulled? I've been. I've had jury duty like three or four times. Um, I think I was pulled some years ago. I just get all the Democrat uh, text messages to come call for them.
1: Yeah.
0: Once you get on those lists, you're never getting off.
1: Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm sure people infinitely smarter about this stuff has have thought about it, but I wonder there has to be a better way. To get to get more reflective polling data. I don't know whether it's yeah I, I have no idea, but it just seems like something that should be more achievable of getting better information.
0: Yeah, you figure they'd be able to they'd be able to do it. I mean the whole thing is a disaster. like you can you can you can keep your money you can access your money through a bank through a secure online bank account but this is how we do elections election voting the yeah. same way they did it 2000 years ago
1: well another interesting thing uh, another example that i feel is kind of similar is the whole way that the nielsen ratings work right where you have this nielsen box that is then extrapolated you know the you know just select households have this and you know it's the same thing with nick nick's thing like i don't know anyone who has a nielsen box i don't know anyone who regularly you know gives their data on what their Watching and yet these Nielsen ratings are still like the gold standard. I, I guess it's changing now a little bit with so many online streaming services, but for a while that was like how people determined what the world was watching yeah. for the U.S.
0: I went through the Gallup polls of like the past sixty years or something like that. They're on they're on Wait, uh, Wikipedia or somewhere, and man, they were sharp. They were like within a point every year. Yeah, there was a couple couple outliers i think kennedy was one maybe and like you know obviously the the story goes that chicago cheated for kennedy and that's why he won so maybe the polls were actually right um but like yeah it just started the last i don't know on and off probably last decade that it's gotten much worse Probably because you can't you can't answer anybody. They should figure it out. See, this is part of the you know how the the market should figure this out. Like Nate Silver needs to pay a price, like or whoever I don't know. Maybe not Nate Silver, maybe the pollsters that he's aggregating. Somebody needs to pay a price, and then once they do, there'll be competition coming in with newer and better ideas.
1: Yeah, I I had to circle back to this comment from Alex Man in the chat. He's quoting you, you're never directionally wrong on everything. I think you underestimate me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could be directionally wrong, I guess, on everything. It's just a bad, it's just a bad look.
1: What is your thought? One comment I keep seeing come up a lot, and and partly because I think there was a lot of action flying around last night. Like, what are your thoughts about peer-to-peer? sports betting. I mean, you had your tweet the other day about getting limited by that book in Illinois and how frustrating that is. You're having to bet on offshore markets just to get action down. Do you think if these states can't figure out regulating in a way that's still you know conducive for consumers, do you think peer-to-peer is kind of the future of that stuff?
0: They'd have to regulate peer-to-peer too. I don't think you could start a peer-to-peer network and have it, just consider it legal and Like, have your base in the city, in Chicago, and I think that would be illegal. Yeah. I also don't think peer-to-peer sports betting is this utopia that most people, a lot of people think it is. Because what ends up happening in these peer-to-peer markets is it's kind of like the poker head-to-head markets, or I guess even the DFS head-to-head markets, is just the sharps post their lines. So, like, you'd rather have it than not have it because it's an out. That you can't get banned from but it's 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 usually way sharper because you just get you know rufus peabody posting all of his, all of his lines on there you're not you're not you know you're not it's not going to be like you and some some noob just as much as it's not like that on poker or dfs yeah i'm assuming poker anymore
1: and then, what would be the incentive for someone like that who does have a really sharp line of their own to give that information up publicly?
0: Because somebody will take their line
1: on the bad side of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because they just offer offer up what they're willing. And so-
1: I haven't heard much about it recently. I mean, I know uh, the the blockchain one, Augur, was one that people a while ago were pretty bullish on of being kind of like the future of this stuff. Obviously, you're unregulated uh independent on the blockchain. Right. Have you followed up on Augur at all?
0: No, I haven't been into the, the Bitcoin sports betting uh, much recently. Yeah. I did the old ones. Um Cloud Bet. Yeah. There's a couple of them. Nitrogen.
1: I just I remember when I heard about it initially and I think it was one of the Augur guys used some very like random example about like how it could work that seemed very cool where like if you were a farmer in Argentina and you set a line for how much rainfall there would be that year. And he knows like how much rain he needs to have like a good crop or whatever. And if he's worried about a bad rainfall, like he could set that line, take the other side of it as a hedge against his own kind of business operations and the expected amount he would earn based on how much rainfall he got. So I thought like use cases like that were pretty cool.
0: That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a white paper called a futurearchy, I believe by, uh, Robin Hanson, he's, uh, professor at George, he's an economics professor at George Mason, and he wrote, um, Elephant in the Brain, um, and some other books, I only read that one. And, in the, the white paper is converting all political, uh, all political, uh, or all, I guess, state, state, uh, jobs or state, uh, whatever the state would do, turning that into a market. And so like you could bet on it. It's it, uh, I'm not explaining it very well, but it's, it's a very brief, like couple pages, just Google Robin Hansen futurarchy, And he wants to just turn everything into a, into a market. Turn yeah. the state, turn the state into a market. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting stuff.
1: Let's see. People in the chat here. Could you start some sort of escrow service? Carlos says your problem is counterparty risk. Um, I mean, and that's the, that's the whole point of the blockchain and why it works better there because you're doing the uh, the don't trust verify there as far as how that money is being held. And then those bets are being verified by a network of people on the Augur chain. And similar to the Bitcoin, you would need mass collusion Across all these different individuals on the Augur network to not approve or reject a, the outcome of a bet.
0: I think that I mean, I trust me, I love Bitcoin and Ethereum and the smart contracts and all that stuff. I think it's awesome. It's just hard, like with like, let's say you had DraftKings converted to a smart contract on Ether or something like that, right? So you just get all their proprietary.
1: We're getting thing. gas,
0: gas instead of crowns now. and so let's just say somehow it works now on a decentralized network exactly the product they have now it's like how are you going to innovate and change and like if covid happens what are you going to do then and this new schedules and like like you need you need a staff
1: and i think to your point i mean obviously dfs that game is so much more involved from an intricacy standpoint, as as opposed to just someone putting up a very simple yes or no bet or a simple line. I think that's just easier for a group of people to validate through an easy Google search who won the election, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Maybe it isn't that easy to Google right now. Bad example, but um, (laughs) yeah, I think more complicated stuff would just be a nightmare in that environment.
0: Right. I, I mean, I saw like, um, Like wills, some like simple contracts. You can like those all make sense to me, and you could eliminate entire industries uh, with that type of stuff. But complying with like with local state law is the 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 state always fucks it up and gets in the way. Complying with like um, uh, my buddies has has uh, a pretty big uh, whatever endowment or whatever his old man passed away unfortunately and and uh he's it's it's like taking like a year to get the money and they're still like denying him uh oh just, like the
1: estate the estate yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah 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 it's just so many problems and they take like a huge chunk of it too but um so what? like even, even those type of things it's t- it's tough to pull off the decentralized world that a lot of people, me including would love to have.
1: Yeah. I meant to circle back on your, your tweet for, for people who don't know you were getting limited. Was it at bet rivers? Yeah. Bet rivers. You tried to make a $75 bet and were limited all the way down to like $2 and 53 cents. You tagged, was it an Illinois representative?
0: Yeah. He's, he was, he's kind of like the big champion of getting DFS passed. He's yeah, kind of the one who would always do interviews and stuff like that.
1: And did he did he uh, engage with your tweet at all?
0: Yes. Did he, he re- retweeted it and DM me?
1: Yeah? yeah. And what what did he say? I'm on it. Tell me a little
0: bitch. <laughs> uh, he called uh, you a nerd. He said nice. nerd
1: bash 2020. Just beg said- your 253 <laughs> and get off my lawn.
0: He said, shut your lib mouth. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though he's a Democrat. Uh, no, he said he's going to look into it. Actually, I can, I can look, I can look and see what he said. Uh, he asked what the company is. What kind of bet is it? And then I told, uh, then he asked about that, that, um, what does it say in there? Uh, pending, like you can send in for approval. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But like lines can change and you never know if they're going to accept you after you take a, you know, the line moves and then they accept it. Right. If it moves in the other way. Um, uh, And then he says, he's going to ask the uh, legislative, uh, what is, what does the G stand for? I know LRB is the legislative reference bureau. So one of the two I'm assuming. Um, And then you said you booked him some side action in the OSMO (laughs) challenge. What are, the, what are the odds of that right now? Steve, Steve, Buzzer, get, uh, DM me. He goes, man, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to bet you when you said uh Alex was a dog after the first week.
1: Oh, which side, wait, which side did he want? He wanted Alex. He wanted Alex. Yeah. What do you think? So he's up what? 40,000 now?
0: More than that, right?
1: Oh, you're right. It was 40,000, was how much he won for second. And then he had another min cash in there. So it was probably 50,000.
0: Yeah, something like that. Maybe more, maybe a little more. So, I mean,
1: what? It's not over. Alex, it's not over. No, 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 it's not over at all. But I mean, Alex has to, what? They have three more domes or four? Four. Four. So he probably, I mean, he might win. Not even
0: the last one, if he can't win, I mean, there's really no point to it.
1: True. So he probably needs, what, like a couple top two or three finishes, depending on the exact price structure of these, the next yeah. four? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, so he's he's a dog. I mean, 10 really isn't enough. They probably need to play like 100. Yeah. And in three different sports and stuff like that. I think it was more just for fun. Um, so that the, the, the bet Rivers thing really quick. So they – They didn't limit me in the beginning, and then they limited me down to like, um, occasionally, like two, three hundred or four hundred, but not always. It was weird because I remember the first one, I'm like, oh shit, they're fucking limiting me. And but then I'd bet another one, and it wouldn't be limited. So I kept getting that um, pending thing at like certain levels. So I would just start betting under that because I wanted to like fly under the radar. Yeah, uh, I have no idea. I'm assuming it probably didn't help at all. But like, so they they would do it like around the 200. So I would just be like 150, 150, 150. This way, they won't, I won't keep having to ask for approval. And then that eventually went down to like between 75 and 100, 125 maybe. And and then and then that was pretty much the lowest until that day. I put in a bunch of bets and they all needed approval. It wouldn't let me bet a penny. So I'm like, Wh- whatever. I sent it in for approval. They approved some of them or something like that. And I was like, maybe I bet too many at once because I rarely do that. I usually just bet one, go, yeah. the next one, bet, go. So I just did one bet, $75, and then it hit, and then that popped up, the $2.53. It's crazy. I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. It's absurd. And then, um, and have
1: you now anytime you bet on there it's 253 or have you even tried
0: uh has there been a game since then i don't think uh don't I'll be we'll see tomorrow yeah oh i've uh i've also been working the back the 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 the, the, the back connections i have here and uh from working in in politics or in in with the state for for a few years so we'll see if i can pull some strings
1: Blue Falcon kid says I'm limited on Bet Rivers too and I'm a losing player on their site.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they I'm sure that happens. It's that's just wild. Yeah. They don't they don't they it's Cambi as their provider, which is a European odds provider. And I guess this is their standard practice. Um for DraftKings, it kind of makes sense to me a little bit because like they don't care. They just want like as many you know, people signed up and that you know their stock going up. Like they don't I don't think they want to be bookmaker, pinnacle, circa. Yeah. You know, like that's not what they're going for. So for them it makes it makes sense to 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 limit people. I haven't been betting on DraftKings very much because the odds are the exact same on Bet Rivers. And I kinda wanna like save my outs. <clears throat> yeah. So we'll see how that goes, um, if, if this is indeed the end of Bet Rivers for me. But I'm assuming it's going to the same way. What will suck is if I go over there and they, and they and they cross-match your information and then just auto-limit me, that'll be fucking bullshit. But we'll see. I mean, you know, I had that rant a couple shows ago. It's like, why is the state involved then? Why are you involved? All you're doing is guaranteeing your constituents will lose unless you unless you do something about it. Um, I don't see them doing anything real. I, yeah. don't, I don't see that happening.
1: We got people getting excited about the Masters. B. Thompson, will you guys have a Masters betting DFS strategy show next week despite Pete hating PGA DFS? I don't hate PGA DFS. I suck at it. I will say, though, Brian, I back from – I forget what I was grinding, but I had a bunch of Millie Maker Masters tickets that I had won that had just popped up into uh, my account that I'm now eligible to redeem. So I, I think I have seven or eight MilliMaker tickets. So I think I'm going to have to get in those streets. And uh, you want to – should we do a Masters something next week?
0: Yeah, that's a pretty big big event. We might as well do something.
1: Yeah. There you go. You, uh, you convinced us, B. Thompson. We'll be talking Masters, and we will bring back the hit segment where Brian and I build a a golf lineup that is so atrocious, the people in the chat can barely stand to look at it.
0: But only if Trump wins Georgia. If he doesn't, we're not doing it. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yes, there's all these uh, domino effects. Um, David Stewart thinks he's on to you. Brick gets limited everywhere, then starts tout site, makes millions. Is that in the cards, Brian?
0: I don't know. I listened to that uh, Bet the Process podcast. Oh, I wanted to talk about that. Well, I can't remember that dude's name, but he just went off. on. It's uh, like Jeff Seth
1: Byrne, I want to say.
0: Yeah. He went yeah. off on Jeff and uh, Rufus uh, about even even uh, commiserating with someone who sold picks once when they were 18 or something.
1: Yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, Bet the Process, uh good uh, sports gambling pod uh, with Rufus Peabody. And is it Jeff Ma? I believe. Jeff Martin, yeah. 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 And so they had this guest on who, as I understand it, is from the the seedy underground of sports gambling, the righteous prognosticators that only provide data and never give an opinion. It's a place called Seaville, apparently. This subversive Twitter list known as Seaville. And this guy, Seth, just absolutely roasted Jeff and Rufus for just even thinking about commiserating with someone who had ever sold picks. They were literally like the guy was 18 years old uh, when he last sold a pick. So I was laughing, Brian, because I was thinking, what do you think this guy would think about some of the guests we've had on here? Oh, <laughs> you think God. he'd love our Chris Randone spot?
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking we had, we, we, we tried, we had a a, a verbal agreement from cash out King before, everything went under i mean we but we we assumed he was a fraud and we were gonna try to play with him uh i guess we could say that now right
1: uh yeah i have no idea where where cash out king is um yeah that uh yeah he this guy would not have, he would have uh, been happy he would not have been happy with our booking practices and it was like you know the interesting part he was like scrutinizing their own personal motivations for doing this podcast and it's like yeah, you, you, it, for, at some fucking level, you do this shit for, yeah. you're providing an entertainment product. All of this at the end of the day is a fucking entertainment product. So yeah, you're going to bring on people who you think are entertaining or, and his point too is like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Are you trying to provide a service? Are you supposed to be educational? It's like, well, you can be educational, but it's still under the umbrella of entertainment. <laughs> like. I just didn't understand his like claims against a podcast not having altruistic motives or whatever.
0: yeah, his his righteous uh, indignation throughout that second half was was disturbing. I thought they were way too agreeable with him. Yeah. By the way, Jeff Ma especially was like, well no, he's got a good point. He's got a good point. It's like like you know, Jeff, you're the biggest piece of shit of all time. He's like, Hold on, hear him out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. He was doing there's I think there's a weird psychological phenomenon of when you have a guest on, yeah. Generally, you're trying to serve that guest. You're trying to, you know, you invite on, they're doing you a favor by coming on your show. And I think Jeff's like just lizard brain like i'm a good podcast host like kicked into where he was so agreeable i was like no no no, this guy is like shitting on the very concept of what you're doing here
0: you know you know oddly enough i think he's like the extreme level of what me and you were kind of dming about our own personal flaws a couple days ago about like too, too cool for school like you know don't sell out you gotta be really careful of you know like any sort of promoting yourself or stuff like that. I think he's like the extreme of that, of like, of like, uh, you know, any sort of like attempt to promote yourself or profits, profits are evil, that type of thing. And and like, and he's just so hyper-focused on uh, sports betting that like, that's just the thing he knows most about. And so he could see the wrongs and the rights so crystal clear. He was also like black and white. Uh, like like to like almost like a personality disorder in my opinion like like he was very black or white on on on, on everything he was criticizing them on like no nuance at all like like with with he criticized Jeff on the uh, Sloan sports uh, analytics conference that he was a host for like a couple of the segments and they're still on YouTube I think and he had like William Hills CEO on there and the William, William Hill is like – the sports bettors I guess hate them because they, they always ban them and limit them and they've had like some practices of like fun some funny business with live lines accepting them when the line moves and denying it when the line moves the other way and they claim that they take any bets and stuff like that and no one challenges them that they don't do that. But like – like, okay, so like what, <laughs> like if you're an employee somewhere – like, you, you, like you've like you agreed to host this event and, you know, get paid, like you have some obligation to the, the, the hosts who are paying you too. You can't just berate their their invitees, you know, whenever you disagree with something they do, like you've agreed to be the host of this event. So it's like I, it's, it's almost the exact opposite could be argued that he would be doing an injustice to a multitude of other people that he likes by going super hard here.
1: Yeah. And I think you totally, because you can go on and have productive, hard conversations about issues that maybe people would skirt around of, Hey, you are too buddy, buddy with these type of people. And I, I feel like your integrity has taken a hit because of it, of how you're viewed or whatever those kind of hard prompts are. But when you take that rigid line, like to me, uh, like, uh, I think I have a, I feel weird saying this. I feel like I have a good uh, emotional intelligence. Like I feel like he was just telling on himself of his own insecurities of like, these guys have found a way to do like a fun educational sports betting podcast. And I'm jealous of their success and that they are actually able to toe the line. They are able to be stand-up guys that care about the issues and stuff, but also have fun and do entertainment and provide value in other ways. And it, To me, it just felt like I am so jealous of what you guys are doing here, so I'm just going to attack this one random part of it. That's how it felt to me. He
0: had to go on there with that intent of, to attack them because oh, of course. if he didn't, then he's contributing to two people who he thinks are net negatives. So then he's he's platforming them. He's helping their platform. Right. So he had to go on there. With that, like, I'm interested, like, like on why he thinks selling picks is so awful. Like, you know my take on it. Free market. Yeah, well, I mean, adults should assess their own risk. Like, we don't have to handhold and bring in, especially legislators to 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 go after these things. But like, you know, like like other civil liberties things that I I agree with, like that I want, like legalized drugs. Right. Like I wonder what where he stands on some things like that. And, um, you know, like prostitution or, so, or something like that, where like you could have an opinion where you disagree with somebody. So let's just say drugs, for example, Like you could say that I think Pete should do whatever he wants with his body as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. But I myself wouldn't do that or something like that. You know what I mean? Or I wouldn't want that person in my life or I would my children want my children to have that um, that profession. But I still don't think we should be getting involved in other people's who we do uh, – who do want to do those, those things. And so like for selling picks, like maybe – and like the people he, that he was shitting on are like winning players supposedly, right? Like well-known winning players now. So like what would be wrong about a winning player selling a pick? What would he think about Alex Baker or – fantasy labs. Well, I guess I bet fantasy labs. He hates not Fantasy labs, the other action network.
1: I bet he would draw a distinction between providing tools and projections in numbers and letting people interpret them the way they want. Um, that said a lot of the sites do both, right? Like I, I, I now what I use is I use other people's projections and ownership and I use the tools yeah that they provide. I don't, I don't, I never tail someone's individual play or pick anymore, but these sites still offer that because there's such a demand. Like we did the show on my channel on Friday and we're talking about overall DFS there. And we still get lots of comments of who to play this week, or you can't play this guy. You can't play a jet. You can't play Naheem Hines, you know, like there's still like the market still craves that kind of stuff. So I, I wonder if he would make the distinction that he's okay. If you're providing tools but the idea of selling a pick specifically that's what he's against.
0: Yeah that's that's stupid to me for sure especially if you're if it's a good pick and even if it isn't it's none of your fucking business superstar but like um maybe somebody just wants a a, a sweat that's not as bad as their shitty opinion. And so like they'll be like oh, okay this guy's you know a 2 cents negative better but who cares it's better than me I'm 5 cents negative. So, yeah. like, I'll throw a few bones his way. And by the way, if DFS wasn't so complicated, right, with picking players and having GPP theory, game theory, and stuff like that, it would be exactly the same. It would be exactly well, the same. It, it would be like over under bets. That, that's, it's basically exact same things over under bets. So, so uh, just to play like
1: devil's advocate on this thing, I I'm the same as you. I don't have any problem fundamentally with someone selling picks if they're if people want to do that. That said, my guess is what happens a lot of times with those and let's use the Vegas Dave example or whatever is that they're they're actually lying or manipulating whether it's their own record or they're you know showcasing the wins and not all the losses whatever kind of subterfuge goes on there. I'm guessing that's ultimately what they're pushing back against as opposed to just the act of selling picks by itself.
0: Okay, well uh, taking that extreme example like Aside, maybe for a second, like, um, if you, uh, so, so what was the first part there? I, Cause I want to respond to the Vegas Dave's secondly.
1: Oh, I was saying like this idea of they're selling picks and like, if I sell picks and I just post my record, very matter of fact, like it's just yeah. completely, ab- I don't see what's wrong with that. But I think a lot of people,
0: the connotation, like okay. pick no. selling is a pejorative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about the Dr. Dre headphones or whatever.
1: Yeah. So He's like, Dre, yeah.
0: Each by Dre, and, and I don't know shit about this, but th- this was an article I read years ago. They he, they were selling for like three or five hundred bucks, but they were they cost the same as a shitty ten pair. It was just it was just because it had Dre's branding name yeah. on it, branding on it that they were selling it for three hundred bucks. And eventually, he sold that company, you know, for tons of money. It's like is that should that be a crime punishable by whatever this 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 maniac wants to do to tout to to uh, to, to um pick sellers I don't
1: so in that in my analogy for that mm-hmm. it would if be beats by dre instead of in the tech specs enlisting the exact quality materials they were saying this is these are gold plated or these have a lifetime warranty but it doesn't actually have a lifetime warranty like that yeah. overt lies surrounding it
0: yeah i mean so yeah i think that that outright fraud it, it could be a crime uh, you know a punishable crime outright fraud but i don't think how that i don't see how that is like anything specific to sports betting right like it, it, if you just if you just outright lie on a product then yeah if you say like i have a warranty and you don't like that can be a class a civil a civil uh, lawsuit mm-hmm. so like maybe vegas dave could be sued I think that's a real concrete example that that warranty example. I don't think he goes that far. yeah um, lying about hmm. and also like if you get into these like um these these stock touts too, like a lot of them are doing real similar shit to Vegas Dave, but then they just put up not a not a professional, right? And then that's supposed to make it all all better. So like it doesn't really make it all better; it just makes it legal that you can't get sued. But I but I don't give a shit if you want to tail um, <laughs> if you want to tail uh, uh, Portnoy. That's your that's your fucking prerogative, and and I and I'd be happy to talk to Dave Portnoy, right? Like who gives a shit? Um, I. I, I it's if, if if it's some sort of like civil actionable fraud or something, of course that person should be able to be be sued. But everything else is like chill, chill out, buddy. Calm down. You're not the like I think a lot of this stuff that I'm pushing back against for touts and selling picks and stuff like that, is like people get get righteous in these industries that they know a lot about. So like if you were a construction expert, you'd be like, "Oh, you wouldn't believe the shit that goes on here." You know what I mean? And it's like we got to stop this, this, and this. And they just know a lot about it. Yeah. And so they, so you could go on Twitter and be like, "This guy's bad." It's like no shit, no shit, Sherlock. You th- uh, you don't think Portnoy's giving you great stock tips? You don't think um, Vegas Dave's bullshit? It's like you're you're really, you're really you're like an abolitionist. You're so brave. You know, like, it's funny too, because I've had that
1: happen when like, I I remember a long time ago, Jay Caspian King wrote one of the first articles in the New York Times about DFS. It was when the industry had started to pull up. And like, since I was familiar with the industry, like, you know, every other paragraph, I'm like, no, this is wrong. This is misconstruing it. This is not actually portraying what goes on and all this. And then I'm like, how many articles do I read on paper of record, like the New York Times? And just shit just completely goes over my head that someone that's an expert in that field reads that and goes, that's bullshit. That's
0: a fabrication. That's the Gelman amnesia effect, right? Okay. There's a name for it. Yeah. The Gelman amnesia effect. Um, uh, Michael Crichton, the writer, uh, came up with that. And um, there's a physicist, Gelman, I can't remember his first name, who he like based the theory off of. And it's because he was an expert in a few things, Crichton, and- when he would read an article that was he was an expert on, he said they would get it so backward it was like he he would call them uh, the street made the rain wet, right They were just completely backward. And then he would change the page and the next article would be about the Middle East or something that he wasn't an expert on. and he'd read it like it was the Bible. And he's like the only the only excuse for this is that you get amnesia. and that and that happens all all the fucking time. He he was actually kind of interesting guy. He had another another interesting story. He was in I think he went to Harvard, and um, he was in uh, English major. And he thought his professor hated him, and he went, and because he kept giving him Bs instead of As. And there was a assignment that was exactly like um, uh, an Orson uh, an Orwell uh, essay that he he had read once. And so he just turned in the Orwell essay and changed his name and put his name on there and the teacher still gave him a B. <laughs> and he just so he switched majors. Yeah. He's like I can't get a, get around this guy in this major. He's too he's too important. He didn't get caught either, so.
1: Crazy. Crazy. Um yeah, let's see. Am I missing any Oh, someone had asked a question. Uh is listing core plays essentially selling picks? I mean, it's all semantics, but what is your thought?
0: Um I mean, I yeah, I, I think it's all semantics. I think, a, like your typical DFS site is basically selling picks. They're they're pretty good though. I mean, de- de- I guess it depends. The um, st- selling stat like stat projections is definitely selling picks because you can use that for props. It's almost like apples for apples right there. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it is selling picks. I don't think. Selling picks is that big of a deal. Another thing about the touts thing that I'm noticing now is like, since I got limited or whatever, it's like um maybe I don't want to like go through all the lengths of putting together a syndicate or just keep hopping around from book to book. And now I got to go to a offshore book. Maybe I'd rather just sell them. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not thinking about doing that. I'm just saying like I can understand why somebody. Somebody would rather just sell their picks than than do the work, and they mentioned Dr. Bob in there, and I guess like he used to win, but he doesn't win anymore or something. Maybe he did turn into a scam. I don't I don't know the whole deal on there, um, but it's probably hard to it's probably hard to keep motivated without actually being a sports bettor.
1: You know, this kind of goes full circle to this idea of, you know, players, uh, you know, there's generally the tool, the two schools of thought, right. Where they say you become a tout because, um, you can't make money on your own. Or you, you don't trust yourself enough to be long-term profitable. So you're going to sell or whatever. And I think there's this other element to it. And maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being generous to people, but it goes back to that thing with why are Rufus and Jeff Ma doing the podcast ultimate? Why are we doing this podcast? We like the community aspect of it. It is fun. It is not fun if we were just in our own caves all week, looking at spreadsheets, doing lineups, not talking about them, not sweating them with anyone, not talking strategy about a game, not interacting with the chat. That's fucking fun. Like people like community, people like being a part of things. And I think there's that element too. Like, sure, some people are wanting to build businesses, but I bet a lot of people who have tout sites, they like interacting and helping people.
0: For sure, and that makes me think of a couple more things too. It goes along with this this whole trying to get out of like the too cool for school stuff is like it's like it's okay to want to be recognized. Like I think that's okay. Like I think we were taught it wasn't. Like it's okay to want to be recognized a little bit. It's okay to like want to be recognized for doing being good at something. It's okay to want to have people watch your fucking show. like that's the whole point you're doing it. Like it's okay to want an audience it's okay to make a profit, you know, it's okay to do whatever the fuck you want, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, basically. But uh, I mean, some things I would I would say are more morally questionable, but I think a lot of this is just being socialized, socialized this way since we were kids to like, to like, look for that, look for that, oh my God, that guy's selling something, that guy's selling something, everyone, he's selling something, what's he up to? If he's selling something, it's got to be bad because he's got to make a profit, which means you're going to lose out. So only one person can win in, in these transactions, which is completely wrong. Both people can profit from a transaction, and it happens fucking constantly. And that's exactly how this the Western world has grown over the last 150 years. As
1: a non-zero-sum game.
0: Yeah, for sure. The divisional labor, all sorts of you know economic terms that have kind of like gone the way – of, of, of our recent society. And I was, I was definitely socialized that way. Uh, growing up to, to like, not want to put myself out there or sell anything or, um, you know, there's like some acceptable things like you could sell a book, maybe, you know, but like, you certainly can't sell picks. Yeah, like that, I would never well, you know, to
1: yeah. me them what you're getting into there is, is there a level of trust? You know, like our, our, if, if we all of a sudden partnered with some just shitty or, you know, shady offshore book, we would destroy whatever trust that our listeners had in us. But I'm guessing that most of us would, if we went and sold shirts, if we got some shirts made and they would, they would trust us to give them a good product. And they would probably even enjoy buying a lol shirt. So I think it also goes to like, what type of thing are you selling, and are you risking the trust that you've built up?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, everything is is uh, subject to some sort of interpretation. Like, yeah, I don't know if we would uh, like get sponsored by Fantasy Aces or something, and like, no, this time they're going to be good. <laughs>
1: This is a good time to mention. Please use promo code LOLS when you're depositing on Monkey Knife Fight. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, guys. There was someone in the chat asking a correlation DFS question. I'm sorry, man. We're not we're not getting to that stuff today. But if you leave it in the comments on uh, Brian's channel or my channel, uh, I'm sure we will circle back and try to help you out with that. Uh, Brian, any other uh, final words as we wrap this up?
0: Um no, hopefully Trump wins Georgia so I can get a couple of extra shackles.
1: Actually, someone in the chat had a question that I actually had as well. What? Brick, are you a mullet guy? Business in the front, party in the back? Because I have started to see a little bit peeking out over
0: there. I'm a shaved head guy who just hasn't gone to the barber in or in months.
1: Yeah, there you go. I was because I was like, "Is this a conscious thing?" Because like, like whatever you do, profile. I'm like, "Oh man, he's rocking it back
0: there." He's getting out there. I gotta go. I gotta go this week. I should go tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I'll be shaved head from here on out, buddy. Sorry.
1: And I I should also mention too, if you guys happen to miss it, and I know because uh, Hawk was asking about DFS stuff. Brian and I did a show on my channel on Friday. And, uh, the link to my channel in, in Brian's show notes here, if you're watching on YouTube. And I would say that that shows like 90% evergreen. Like it wasn't just about week eight, you know, there's so much stuff in there that I think you can apply some of those principles, uh, going forward. And as far as you think about stuff. So definitely check that out. If you happen to miss that on Friday, Brian also has, You'll hear Brian reference it sometimes. I mean, he has a whole library of evergreen videos on his channel about some of these core DFS concepts. Um, I've actually bookmarked a few that I want to go back and rewatch here soon as well. So definitely take advantage of some of those uh, evergreen resources. Uh, If you guys want to subscribe to this in audio form, we are on all of those uh, podcast platforms. We got the link below as well. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button for Brian Hooper. I'm Peter Overzet. When we're back next week, maybe we will have the results of the election finalized. Maybe. See you guys next time.